to talk to you about five relationships. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about five relationships. As a believer, there are five strategic relationships you have that you must understand and walk in the fullness of. Hallelujah. Number one is your relationship with God. Who is God to you as a believer? We know that from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. That means he is the supreme being. Hallelujah. He is the father of all spirits in this world. Amen and amen. He is the high and lifted one. He is the most high. He is above all. But this God who is above all and is also the creator of the world, who is he to you in Christ? Who is he to you? Is he just a distant God with whom you have no relationship? Is he just the creator of the world or your creator? No. As a believer, you have a much more deeper relationship with God than he just being your creator. Because in Christ Jesus, God has become your father. Hallelujah. Say to me, God is my father. God is my father. Hallelujah. God, the supreme potentate of all the world, in Christ Jesus, is your father. He became your father through the gospel. Hallelujah. When your heart believed the gospel, what happened was, if I can put it in layman's terms, God conceived you in him and went to the labor world and delivered you. Hallelujah. So you became literally the bona fide son of God. John chapter number 1 verse 12. The Bible says that as many as received him to them, he gave the power to become the sons of God. People not born of flesh and blood, but people born of God. So in Christ Jesus, you are born of God, and by that, God has become your father. Hmm. He has become your father. Not everybody in this world is a son of God. You understand what I'm talking about? Not everybody in this world is begotten of the father. Everybody in this world is created of God, but not everybody is begotten of the Father. That means not everybody has the nature of the Father in him. Hallelujah. But you as a believer, because you are begotten of the Father, you have been made a partaker of his divine nature. That is your blessing. That is who you are. Hallelujah. And because he's your Father, you are his Son. Just what John says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. He said, what manner of love is this, that we should become the sons of God? And last week I said this, a father does not disown his son. And God the Father can never disown you. You are his son, and that's it. Case closed. What does that mean to you? It means then that you can have an intimate fellowship, an intimate relationship with him. I mentioned last week that the purpose of our faith is not to go to heaven. Jesus did not come to make a way to heaven. Jesus came and paved the way by his death and resurrection, made a new and living way into the Holy of Holies so that we may have fellowship with the Father. 
Hallelujah. So the Bible says that he has called us into the fellowship of his son. Christ Jesus, the first begotten son, the fellowship that he shares with the father, that same fellowship we have been called to, so that as sons we may have that same fellowship with the father. Hallelujah. Even Jesus said it. He said that whatsoever you ask, he will give it to you because the father loves you as much as he loved me. Because we are all his sons. Jesus is our senior brother. So the same way God treats Christ, that's the same way he treats you also as his son. That is the distinction between you and the world. You are the son of God. You are a son of God. Hallelujah. Because you've been progressing of him. That has opened you up to the possibility and the great blessing and privilege of being able to have an intimate fellowship with God, an unbroken fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Because now, by the Spirit of God, you are being united with Him and you partake in His very nature. His seed remains in you. So you can walk like your father and talk like your father and take after your father. That's what the Bible says, be ye imitators of God because sons take after their father. Hallelujah. And I'm using the word sons here in the generic sense. Sons take after their father. Hallelujah. So if you are truly a son of God, your heart desire would be to imitate God. Amen and amen. To imitate who? God. Uh, not anybody in the world, but to imitate who? God, your father. And the father has showed us who he is in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, our senior brother. So when we look at Christ and we pattern our lives after him, we are imitating God. Hallelujah. Say to me, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. And I take after my father. And I take after my father. Yes, you should take after your father. You should take after your father. And as a son, you should seek to mature in your sonship. Hallelujah. There are different kinds or different levels of your sonship. There are those who are the nephews. That is, you see, they are sons, but they are not matured yet. The Bible says that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be master of all. Hallelujah. As a son, you are an heir of God, meaning that you are a rightful inheritor to your father. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible calls you joint heirs with Christ. Amen and amen. What a blessing. Amen. What a blessing. So you see, if you live your entire Christian life without getting to know God personally and intimately and without taking after your father, it means you've not fulfilled the purpose of your, son, your sonship. Because you see, the reason is God wants you to know him intimately, understand his heart intimately as a son, and mature in your sonship to the place where he can deliver the estate to you. Now he's training you so that you could reign with him. You could reign with him. Hallelujah. Masota abangeza glasas.
your relationship with God. God is your father, and you are his son. There's more to say about that, but I want to move on to the others. Hallelujah. Your second relationship, which you should know about, is your relationship with Christ Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? There's a song we sing. I think I've sung it here before. Some friends may ask me. Some friends may say, Who is this Jesus? You talk about every day. Right? And then you say, He is my Savior. He is my all. He is my everything. And what about you? Yes, Jesus is your Savior. Hallelujah. He is your Savior. You see, we have so many different kinds of relationship with Jesus. But chief amongst it all is that Jesus is your Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is who? Your Lord. We know Jesus is our shepherd. We know Jesus is our light. We know Jesus is our Savior. But chief amongst it is that Jesus is your Lord. Because when you came to Christ, the Bible says that if a man shall believe in his heart, the Lord Jesus, he did not say the Savior Jesus. If a man shall believe in his heart, Romans chapter number 10, verse 17, says, if a man shall believe in his heart, the Lord Jesus, and shall confess him, that is, confess the Lordship of Christ. He shall be what? Saved. Confess that God raised him from the dead. He shall be saved. What brought your salvation was your confession of the Lordship of Christ. Hallelujah. That is why the Bible tells us that, you see, a time is going to come, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is what? Savior? Talk to me, brother. Every time we confess that Jesus is what? Lord. Lord. Not Savior, not Shepherd, but Lord. That means your chief relationship with Christ is that He is your Lord. What does Lord mean? Lord means, it comes from the Greek word kuros, which means owner. Meaning Jesus owns you. How did Jesus own you? He owns you by purchasing you with his own blood. Hallelujah. You've been bought at a price. The price of his blood. Jesus gave his life to purchase you. That is how much you are worth in the sight of Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus, it's almost like you go to the store and you want to buy something. You, you've seen this product and you really want it and you've saved up. How many of us have saved up so much over the years for something? Some of us are now, we are saving up for our dream house and all of that. And you are protecting that money you are saving because you, you know what you want and you are really saving up for it. Jesus saved up for you because he saw you if I may say, on the market, and your price tag, the price tag on you was his life. Hallelujah. 
you know how you check the price tag at the back of a dress and it's one fifty dollars, two thousand dollars. You say, this is too expensive, and you put it down. This the price on you was his life. So Jesus paid his life for you. He bought you at the price, the price of his blood. And the Bible says that for you know that it was not with perishable things that you were purchased from this worthless way of life, but with the imperishable blood of Christ. Hallelujah. So Jesus has bought you. It means that he owns you. You are his. You are his possession. And I want to know something. When you buy something and it's yours, you cherish it so much based on how much you pay for it. You cherish it so much, you take care of it. And you expect the thing to honor you as you being the owner of it. Hallelujah. Amen. In the same way, in your relationship with Christ as Lord, you should understand that he is responsible for you. Your protection, your safety, your defense, your provision, whatever you may think about, anything that has to do with your well-being, Jesus is responsible for it, and he does not take that responsibility lightly. I want you to know that. He does not take that responsibility lightly. Amen and amen. Because he owns you. You are his. Amen and amen. He'll protect you from anything that would take, seek to take you away from him because he paid a high price for you. That's why I say you can't lose your salvation like that. Jesus will not let sin come and take you away from him like that. No. You don't allow the devil to come take you away from him like that. No. It's not going to happen. Hallelujah. After all he went through to purchase you, you think he'll let you go like that? I'm sorry. What should you do? You should submit to him as Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I don't understand. Jesus was frustrated. He said, I just don't understand. I just don't get this generation. You call me Lord, yet still you don't do what I say. The proof that I am your Lord is in your honor of my word. Hallelujah. So if truly Jesus is your Lord, you would honor his word in your life. And you cannot honor the word of your Lord when you do not even know the word of your Lord. So the beginning point of honoring God's word is the desire to know God's word. Hallelujah. So can I say this to you, brethren? When you refuse to study the word of God, you are not honoring God's word. When you refuse to know God's word, you are not honoring God's word. When your heart does not desire to know the word of your Lord, how can you honor him? That is why the heart of the believer ought to daily yearn for the word of the Lord and seek to know and understand the word of the Lord so that he can walk in the word to honor his Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is your Lord. And as your Lord, all he demands of you is to honor him. 
He said, if I am your Lord, in the book of, in, in, in the Old Testament, he said, if I am not your Lord, where is my honor? Where is my honor? Hallelujah. If I'm your master, where is my honor? That is what Jesus is to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see in our second relation, Jesus is who? He's your Lord. And if he's your Lord, what are you to him? Mm, you are his. Hallelujah. And all you have to do is to honor him. You honor him by knowing his word and living according to his word. Hallelujah. Knowing his word and living according to his word. Amen and amen. Anyways, let's move on because of time factor. The next relationship you should be aware of is the Holy Ghost. We are going through the Trinity now. The Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Is the Holy Spirit just some goosebumps I receive when I feel spiritual? You know? Is that is that who the Holy Spirit is? You know, a lot of people when when they feel some when they feel a little bit spiritual and they feel goosebumps just coming out, they say, Ah, this is the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. The Holy Ghost is not an emotional rush. You understand what I'm talking about? The Holy Ghost is not what an emotional rush. He is a person. Amen and amen. He is a person. Amen. He is the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. Mm. To you then, who is the Holy Spirit? Makonde mazuta patai. Beklende mazula mante lima gose. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is your caretaker. And in being your caretaker, he accomplishes a number of assignments from the Lord. And I'll show you very soon. The Holy Spirit is who? Your caretaker. When Jesus was living, he left you in the care of someone. You being his and you belonging to you. He said to the disciples that I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send you another comforter, the Allos Paracletos. Hallelujah. One of the same kind to be with you. Amen and amen. Jesus left us in the care of the Holy Spirit. He's a caretaker. And in being a caretaker, he fulfills that assignment or that ministry in our life of comforting us, strengthening us, empowering us, guiding us, leading us, teaching us, instructing us. Hallelujah. That is who the Holy Spirit is to you. He's come as the caretaker to take care of you and watch over you as that precious possession of Christ Jesus. So that no demon can touch you. Hallelujah. Because you belong to him. He has come to be the companion by your side. So that you will not feel as though your master is not near. So the Holy Spirit, if I may say, is that invincible Jesus who walks with you every day. The Bible says that now the Lord is that spirit. Hallelujah. What are they saying? Mm. So the presence of the Holy Spirit with you assures you of the presence of your Savior. He is with you so that you know that he has not even left you. 
and he's fulfilling his promise to you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? He is your caretaker. Remember the story of the man, the good Samaritan, as we say. The Bible says that after the good Samaritan met the man who was beaten by the roadside, he took him into an inn and left him in the care of the innkeeper. We are like the man that was beaten by the wayside, and, 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 and Jesus was a good Samaritan who met us and, and saved us. And he left us in the care of the innkeeper. The innkeeper is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. His responsibility is to take care of you, to take care of your wound, to heal you, and to make sure that you are spiritually healthy. Listen to what I'm talking about. His is to heal you and to make sure you are spiritually what? healthy. So the Holy Spirit is working on you, dealing with all kinds of issues in your heart, taking away hatred, taking away bitterness, taking away immorality, taking anything that is not of Christ, and nurturing the seed of God in you. Hallelujah. And making sure that you are healthy. Hallelujah. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is who he is to. He is your caretaker. So what are you supposed to do to the Holy Spirit? All you have to do is to yield to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And let him fulfill that ministry of being a caretaker in your life. Yield to him. Yield to him. He grieves his heart so much. When we, when, when he that the master has left us in his care, we don't yield to him and we go about doing whatever we want to do. Remember, when you were kids, I don't know if it happened ever in your life, but when we were kids, sometimes your, your parents are traveling and they will leave you in the care of someone. Right? They will leave you in the care of someone. Maybe, you know, somebody in the area, they will leave you in the care of the person. And the person knows that this is a great responsibility that has been given unto them. So they watch over you and they take care of you while they, your parents are away. And all the person is hoping for is that you will listen to them, right? So when you, uh, I remember, I, I, I used to be, I used to be a little bit stubborn back in the day. Not too stubborn, but a little bit stubborn. Hallelujah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you <laughs> somebody said, "Amen," <laughs> you know. When you are there and you're you're doing whatever you want to do and you're not listening to your caretaker, the one whom your father or your mother left you in the care of, they get worried about you because they don't want anything to happen to you. Your parents will come and then they will not have to. They will not know what to say because when your parents come, they will have to give an answer about where you are. You know, and they get worried. It grieves their heart that you are not listening. Sit down. You will not sit down. Sit here, then you jump there. Let's go here, you pass here. Why? All you have to do is yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. That's your caretaker. It's the same thing, brethren. That's all we have to do. That's what the Bible says. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Let the Holy Spirit take charge as your caretaker. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. Are you hearing me, somebody? Yes. Let's go to the next uh-huh. the next two. I want to make sure I cover all five relationships before we close today. And then maybe another time we'll go in depth into all of them. 
So we've talked about God being our Father, Christ Jesus being our Lord, the Holy Spirit being our caretaker. The next relationship you have is with the devil. Amen and amen. Somebody say, you mean I'm in relationship with the devil? Yes, you are. You do have a relationship with the devil. Let me show you. There's a scripture in the book of First Peter that says that be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. Listen, the Bible did not say for the adversary. No. He says for your adversary. Whose adversary? You. Meaning you have a personal adversary. And he identifies who that adversary is. He says, the devil, that is the diabolos. For your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Brother, you have an adversary. What relationship do you have with the devil? He is your adversary. Amen and amen. And what are you to him? You are his victor in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that who is he that has overcome the world? Even those who believe in Christ Jesus. You are the victor of the devil because Christ Jesus overcame the devil. So he said, Behold, I give unto you power to trample over snakes and over scorpions and over all the power of the devil. And nothing shall by no means do what hurt you. But the devil is your adversary, and he is real. The devil is not a creation of the wild imaginations of Christians. The devil is a real entity. You understand? And I want you to understand this. The devil is not the creator. The creator. He is a created being who rebelled against God. Understand who the devil is. Understand who your adversary is. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the enemy lest he gains an advantage over us. Your ignorance of who your adversary is gives him undue advantage over you. So at least you should gain some knowledge about who the devil is and how he works. Amen and amen. The Bible says your adversary who? The devil, the diabolos. That, the, the Greek word there actually means the act opposer of anything that is good. He stands to oppose every single thing in your life because you're a believer. Because he hates you. His hatred for you is because of his hatred for Christ. Hallelujah. He hates you. He may appear to like you, but he doesn't. He may appear when he tempts you with anything, he's pretending he likes you, but he has actually dug a pit for you. Because the Bible says he's moving around, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Devour. The devil's part is to devour you. That is to tear you apart, to destroy you totally. You have an adversary, buddy. You do. You don't walk around and think that you are you, you you have nobody fighting. Somebody is seriously fighting you. But does that mean that you should fix your focus on the devil twenty four seven? No. The Bible says that looking on who Jesus. The Bible did not say looking unto the devil. It said looking unto Jesus. 
because we have a keeping in Christ. So all you have to do, the Bible says that, listen to this, the Bible says, submit therefore to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do you deal with your adversary as a believer? Resist the devil, steadfast in your faith, and he will flee from you. That is the prescription for dealing with any demon in your life, any demonic opposition in your life, any satanic retaliation in your life, because you have an adversary that will fight you 24-7. But it does not mean that you should walk around always trying to look for demons who are trying to fight you. What you should do is stand fast in your faith, resist every opposition of the devil, and you flee from you. Hallelujah. The prescription is what I've given you. One, submit your heart to God. Two, resist the devil standing fast in your faith. And he will flee from you. That is the that is he will flee from you. Hallelujah. You have been given a powerful tool in the name of Jesus by which you can deal with every demonic opposition. When you lift up the name of Jesus, demons flee. So it says, at the mention of the name Jesus, Hatabako says, Le Koso Manta passes. Le Kusunimita Gonte Kila Manta Passa. You have an adversary, baby. So sometimes when certain things are not going the way you expect them to go, don't just sit there and say, Why are things going this way? You have an adversary. Hallelujah. Fifth generation, we have an adversary. Man, kolobo dabose, and the Bible identifies who is the devil. He mm. says, "Who resist? God is expecting you to resist. How? Steadfast in the faith." The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what principalities, powers. You understand? Rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So he says, put on the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. He says, having done all to stand, stand fast therefore. Then he goes and lists the armor of God. So these are the prescriptions by which you'll be able to overcome your adversary. You understand? Another time we deal with the tactics of your adversary, how the enemy operates, so that you know how to extinguish every flame that the enemy lifts against you. But remember, the basic prescription is this, whom resist steadfast in your faith. That means be unflinching in your faith. Sometimes when the devil throws something against you, throws certain things against you, all of a sudden you lose your faith and you begin to complain. When you are standing steadfast in your faith, you don't complain, you don't whine, you don't murmur. You rather hold on to God's word and stand upon it. Hallelujah. Amen. And say to the devil, get thee behind me. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You rebuke that demon, you rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil, the devil, the devil. Amen and amen. The next relationship I want to talk about, hmm, how should I put this one? Is a relationship with the world, if I may say. Okay, 
Let me talk about your relationship. This I'm breaking the fifth one. I'm breaking it into two parts. Your relationship with the world and your relationship with man. Hallelujah. You are living in this world, and there are other human beings also living in this world who are not saved like you are. You have a relationship with them. Amen and amen. Who are you to man? Jesus gave a parable. He said, they asked him, he, he, he said, he, he, they, asked, they asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like unto love your neighbor as yourself. And the man asked him, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gave a parable of the good Samaritan. Man is your neighbor. Hallelujah. Amen. At the end of the parable, Jesus asked the question, who do you think was a neighbor to this man that fell among thieves? And obviously, the one that was a neighbor to him was the good Samaritan. The one who took out time, journeyed. You see, I love it. The Bible says that when after the man had fallen among thieves, the Bible says that after a while, a priest passed by. And then after that too, a Levite also passed by, by happenstance. But the Bible says concerning the, the good Samaritan that as he journeyed, he met the man. You see, journeys are on purpose. Hallelujah. The good Samaritan came on purpose. The Levite and the priest, they were just passing by. They, they did not carry the purpose of coming to the aid of the man, but the good Samaritan on purpose came to the aid of the man. Hallelujah. In the same way, you also... Your relationship with mankind, that is those who are born again, is that you are their neighbor. And you should see them as people who need your compassion. Your compassion in the sense that people who need to receive the gospel truth. Because spiritually they have fallen among thieves and robbers who have beaten them and left them half dead. So you should go show compassion to them by giving them the gospel. Hallelujah. And in so doing, you are a neighbor to them. Because as you show them the gospel, they come alive. Hallelujah. That is what man is to you. That is why I always say that maintain relationships with people in the world in such a way that you can preach the gospel to them. If you know you are relating with anybody who is not a believer, in a way that you can't preach the gospel to them, stop that kind of relationship. Hallelujah. Maintain, that is why you see, even when you are reviled in the world, there are people in the world who will never like you. In my life, I have people who don't like, I have unbelieving friends, uh, people who don't like me. I can tell they hate me. But I, maintain, I make sure I maintain the relationship in such a way that I can still preach the gospel to you. Because that is the most important thing. I know that your hatred is not of your own self. It is the God of this world who has blinded your eyes. Hallelujah. Listen, it doesn't matter. It does not matter how good they may appear. It does not matter how nice they may appear on the outside. How intelligent they may appear. If they are lost, they are lost. Spiritually, they are lost. And you carry the light that will save them. Hallelujah. So understand this, that the, the Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them 
in whom the God of this world had blinded their eyes. There is a blindness that has happened to them. It may seem as if they are so enlightened. They've been to the ivory towers of education. They've obtained degrees, and you think they are so enlightened, but they don't know Christ. Brethren, they are as spiritually dead as a log of wood. Hallelujah. Amen. And your relationship with them is that you are their neighbor. Don't just pass them by like the Levite. Don't just pass them by like the like the priest. Journey to them. Hallelujah. Purposefully send the gospel to them. Like we shall be doing this December as we reach out. We are purposefully going there to share the gospel with men. Hallelujah. That's your relationship with them. And the other half is the world, the world. What is the world? The world, when we talk about the world, we are talking about this current age and the system of the enemy that is operating it. Hallelujah. You have a relationship with the world. You are in the world. The Bible says you are in the world, but you are not of the world. Hallelujah. Meaning that you do not proceed from the world. You do not derive your nature and your personhood from the world. Hallelujah. But you are of God, say the Bible. The Bible says, ye are of God, literally. That means you proceed from God and you derive your nature from God. Therefore, do not pattern your life after the world or the ways of the world, but rather pattern your life after the one from whom you derive your nature, who is God. You have a relationship with the world. To the world, you are its conqueror. Hallelujah. The Bible says that who is he that overcometh the world? Say that they that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He says, greater is he that is in us than he that has overcome the world. Let me tell you something. There are so many things in this world that will trouble your heart. But remember this, you have overcome the world. There are so many things in this world that will put fear in your heart. But remember this, you have overcome the world through Christ. Yours is to make sure that you don't conform yourselves to the patterns and the ways of this world. But rather, you live as a stranger and an alien in this world, looking for the hope that is laid up for us in Christ Jesus. To the world, what are you? You are its overcomer. You are a stranger and an alien. This world is not your home, brethren. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. So this world, you have a relationship with the world. The world's idea and the world's plan is to neutralize your faith. How does the world neutralize your faith? By conforming you to its ways. By rendering your fire so cold, making you so dead as a believer, making you so carnal, the world would entice you and draw you with its many temptations to embrace its ways. It will try to deceive your mind and unsettle your mind about the ways of Christ. It will make you feel as if you are losing out. It will present to you all the goodies of this life. It wants to take over your heart and wants to make you set your heart on 
things of this earth. But the Bible says that if we are risen with Christ, we should set our heart on things above where Christ is seated. Because this world is not our home. We are just passing through. Say to me, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. Say to me, I am just... I am just passing through. I'm just passing through. Say with me, I am an alien and a stranger in this world. I am an alien and a stranger in this world. Hallelujah. So Peter tells us that abstain from worldly lust which wage war against your soul? Let me tell you. The world is waging war against your soul with its weapons. What weapons are they? They are the weapons of lust. Hallelujah. Weapons of lust. That is inordinate desires. Misplaced desires. The world wants you to love and set your heart on things of this world. And by so doing, it would neutralize your love for God. That's what the Bible says. Love not the world. Listen, love not the world. You are in this world. You live in this world. You make use of the things in this world. But the Bible is saying, love not the world, neither the things in it. For if any man loveth the world, love for the Father is not in him. So the world, the, the world is waging against you is to replace your love for God with love for it. Hallelujah. And the world is, is attacking the hearts of men, taking hold of the hearts of men. And that is how many slip and backslide. Because they're falling in love with the world. They're falling in love with the ways of the world. They're falling in love with the things of the world. And they have gradually lost their their love for the master. They've lost it. Listen, this is what the Bible says. If any man loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. It's not in you. You, you see, it's not in you. It's not in you. You may think it's there, but it's not there. Because you can't serve two masters. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. But what must you do? You must overcome the world. Hallelujah. You must overcome the world. You must overcome the world. Amen and amen. How do you overcome the world? By standing fast against the onslaught the world is bringing against you. The, 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 the war it is waging against your soul. You see, the world is after your soul. The world, it is after your soul. The target, the aim of the world is to capture your soul. How many of you have played Capture the Flag? It's an American game. I know most of us are of African descent, so we may not know it very well. I remember when I was in freshman year, we were playing Capture the Flag, and I was running around trying to capture the flag, and I twisted my ankle, so I was even struggling to walk. And this this guy from the opposing team came and he caught me, so he was taking me to their prison. And I told the guy, "Listen, I'm I'm here, I'm not going." The guy by force wanted to still take me to the prison. I said, "Forget it, I'm not doing this game again." (laughs) (laughs) 
said, ah, this guy, what's wrong with you? I'm, I'm, leave me alone. I said, I'm, my, the guy still wants to take me to prison, to their prison. You know, uh, the, the two opposing teams, it's almost like you're, you're a prisoner of war. You know, and I said, I said, my guy, I'm not playing this game again. And imagine me, I just came from Ghana, so this the whole thing is not. Me say, yeah, so I even said it to him. I said, I'm going to move the game. I don't know how. Hallelujah. Anyways, the target of that game is to capture the enemy's flag. The target of the world is to capture your soul. That's what the Bible says. Listen to how Jesus said. He says, what shall it profit a man? If he gains the whole world, that means the world will offer you everything that is in it in exchange for your soul. Anytime you see yourself slipping into the world, remember, the price you are paying is your soul. You understand what I'm talking about? Anytime you see yourself slipping into the world, the price you are paying is your soul. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Then he put it again. What shall a man exchange for his soul? That means that if I gather everything in this world, all the inventions, the intelligences of men, the gold, the silver, the everything that is in this world, it cannot measure up to the worth of my soul. Unless you deem your soul not worth it, then you would exchange your soul. I, th- I think I told you this story the other time. I was watching a Steve Harvey show. And there was a question on it. The woman said, how much are you willing to sell your soul to the devil? The woman just stood there and thought about it. And he said, maybe one million. <laughs> He's willing to, she's willing to sell her soul for one million. Hmm. She has estimated her soul at one million dollars. Oh <laughs> and how sad. Do you know the number of people every day who are selling their soul to the devil? Most of these movie stars, let me not say most, some of these movie stars whom you love so much, you are dying about. Some of these musicians whose songs are just full of filth, they sold their soul to the devil. That is why their song is full of all those things. You understand what I'm talking about? The Beyonces and the Jay-Zs and all those people, they sold their soul to the devil. Don't say, Pastor Sam, how do you know? How blind are you not to see? <laughs> they sold their souls to the devil. <laughs> they sold their souls to the devil. How blind are you not to see? Who is it that says her stage name is Sasha Fierce or whatever it is? Who, who is that? Beyonce. <laughs> mm. Apparently, when she gets to say, she says something comes upon her. <laughs> you understand? Something comes upon her. What is that thing? It is not the Holy Ghost. And if it is not the Holy Ghost, I don't want to know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Something mm-hmm. comes upon her. Do you know the things these people bow down to at night? I'm not judging anybody, but I'm opening your eyes to see certain things. 
you know, the funny thing, I see that, you see, this is how the, the world gets believers. They will try and do something that looks so good. You understand? Mm-hmm. Something that looks so nice, and they'll make it so, like, so humanitarian in a way, and sometimes they even add, they throw Christ inside and make it like some Christian something. Then all of a sudden, Christians will be flocking after them. They've, they've got to you. They've got to you. Hallelujah. I said they've, they've done what? They have you. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm talking about? These people, they sold their souls. <laughs> they sold it for riches. They sold their souls already. Uh, <laughs> amen and amen. That is the target mm-hmm. of the world. Hallelujah. But you have to do it, overcome. You have to do it, overcome. What should you do? Say with me, overcome. 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 And this is your, this is your, this is your battle as a believer to overcome. Because when you read the book of Revelations, Jesus said, "To him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh." You see, all the promises of God, or all the promises of Christ, was to him that overcometh. Hallelujah. To him that overcometh. When you go to heaven, on the pearly gates, there is a bold inscription. It is written, Overcomers only. Mm. Hallelujah. Overcomers only. Everybody you meet there are people who have overcome. So you must overcome. That's why the Bible says that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. Hallelujah. You know, laying aside and putting aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset. And let's run the race that is set before us. The people who have already gone ahead and have already overcome, they are cheering you on to also overcome. Brethren, if they were able to overcome, you can also overcome. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You understand what I'm talking about? This is your battle as a believer to overcome every day. Every day. Hallelujah. Mm. We've, talked, so we've talked about your relationship with God. He's your Father. With Christ, He's your Lord. The Holy Spirit is your caretaker. We've talked about the devil. You are his victor and he is your adversary. Hallelujah. We've talked about the world. And how that the world, the target of the world is your soul. But you must overcome it. You are the world's overcomer. Hallelujah. And we talked about men in this world. You are. You must be a neighbor to them. That is, on purpose, give them the gospel. Hallelujah. Maybe the last one I'll throw in there is your relationship with yourself. Hallelujah. Who are you? Your relationship with your own self as a believer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You should know who you are in Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. It's so important. If you don't know who you are, you cannot live as you are. And the only way you can see yourself for who God has made you to be in Christ is to look into the mirror of God. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the most prettiest of all? <laughs> the ladies, every morning, that's what the ladies they do. After they put on their second face with makeup, they stand in front of the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the preacher for? Of course it is me. 
Abigail. Yes. <laughs> Abigail in her nice black dress. She got from me for two fifty dollars. <laughs> Don't worry, the ladies, I'm coming one by one. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, the ladies, they be in the And if you notice, when they take a selfie, you see, oh, take a selfie right there. Take a nice selfie. Then they put a caption on it and put it on Instagram. Now God, oh, 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 the word of God, which is the mirror of God, shows you who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. So as a believer, you should daily look into the mirror. In every lady's bag, there's a mirror. Different sizes. Some are square, some are round. It doesn't matter, but they always want to make sure they are looking at themselves. As for Lorraine, she uses her phone as a mirror. I know. <laughs> in the same way, you should always have the word of God in your sight as your mirror, looking at who you are. Because if not, the devil will deceive you as to who you are. Hallelujah. You should know who you are so that you can relate to your own self well. You can live as God has made you to be. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. We give God praise. We give God glory. I'm bringing my message to a close here. We thank the Lord. Amen and amen. Amen. I did, in the end, I ended up describing seven relationships, right? Not not probably five, but seven. Hallelujah. We give God praise. We give God praise. We give God praise. What a blessing. I want you to ponder on this word that has come to you. Hallelujah. And, and go and, and set the scriptures that we just talked about. And meditate on it yourself. Amen and amen. And I believe that it's going to bless your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want to look to pray. Lift up your voice and begin to pray.